Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire. So I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today, I am joined by Jeffrey Boydie. Jeffrey is on a mission to help us live a healthier life. He shares plant-based recipes and lifestyle tips online and often showcases data and science-based evidence to support his advice. There are so many topics and things I could discuss today with Jeffrey, but I really wanted to focus first and foremost on food and diet and on the impact that the foods that we eat has on our overall health, on our cognitive function, on our mood and regulating our mood. So we're going to be talking a lot in this conversation about food, about diet, specifically about a plant-based diet. We're also going to talk about ultra processed foods and about plant-based meat alternatives. We're going to talk about sugar and also I think just sometimes people's reactions to healthy eating or plant-based eating and why we maybe think that these things are sometimes extreme when I think my challenge would be that I think it's quite extreme to potentially eat ultra processed foods every day or drink alcohol every day or eat highly sugary foods every day or or have lots of caffeine and, and not sleep much every day I think that's quite extreme but it's quite interesting often people's reactions when you talk about healthy eating and they label it as a diet so lots of things for us to to dive into today welcome to the podcast Jeffrey Thanks for having me. It should be a should be a good one. Yes. Well, shall we kick off then with the first, I suppose, the overarching idea of how food and diet impacts us and why you specifically champion a plant based diet and what a plant based diet really looks like. So, yeah, I think if, if we're thinking about it from a from a wider perspective, I think, you know, not even specifically plant based, I just think eating a diet that's based around whole foods, nutrient dense, providing our body with the vitamins, minerals, compounds, antioxidants that we need. We're naturally going to push ourselves towards a healthier life in terms of our focus, our energy levels, you know, being able to build muscle mass, reducing our risk of chronic diseases that we see afflicting so many people in society, such as obesity, type two diabetes, certain cancers, et cetera. So I'm just really passionate about that. And I think it really all started for me you know, I'd grown up playing a lot of sports, so I was very sport focused when I was in school, but my understanding of nutrition was kind of limited to get as much meat as you can to get protein. That was really all I kind of knew about. And then I came across a documentary on, on Netflix called What the Health. And I do preface this by saying that I don't think for the majority of people, changing your dietary habits based off of a documentary it's probably a smart thing to do because, you know, they can be very biased and they, they'll tell you to remove meat from your plate, but not actually give you the tools to, you know, maybe figure out how to adequately, you know, support a diet that's, you know, that that's animal free. So, so yeah, it started with that. And then I just really dived into loads of research and you know, looking at scientific papers, you know, books and podcasts and really just getting an understanding of, okay, this really, this plant-based diet thing is interesting. Let me give it a try. I still wanted to prioritize it for, you know, performance and training and being able to build lean muscle and support my athletic endeavors. So I went down that rabbit hole and I just started doing it and kind of was learning along the way, but I started to feel really good. 
you know, my sleep was, you know, much improved. I felt lighter. I felt like I had more energy, felt like I had more mental clarity, which is a really interesting one. And then it kind of pushed me towards, I wasn't really much of a social media person beforehand. So it pushed me towards, you know, sharing a lot of the learnings that I was coming across online. And then I guess the community, you know, built out to be, you know, quite big and wasn't something that I, you know, intended at all. I just wanted to just share what I was learning. So, so yeah, that's really kind of been my direction. And I guess in recent times, I've really focused on a lot of the other elements that really support optimal health. We're talking about better sleep habits, mm. you know, training and the impact of, you know, cardiorespiratory fitness, muscle mass for as we age and things like that. And even things like getting into community, which is so important, you know, to, to support longevity, to support, you know, good mental well-being. So yeah, that's kind of really what I've been focusing on and, and just wanting to get good quality information, which is also actionable and practical for people to implement into their daily lives. Yeah, well, you do an incredible job of do, of that. Your social media content, I, I really enjoy it. I've saved lots of your recipes and I think it's, I really like the way you will explain the specific concept. So let's, for example, say you're explaining, okay, these three foods um, are gonna be great in your diet to improve cognitive function. And then you have, yeah, the information to go alongside it, but with the actionable things of try this, try this, try this. So I think you do an incredible job of that. And for anyone who's listened to this podcast for a very long time, they may remember a time when I myself was completely 100% plant-based. Now I did this a few years ago and for two years. So it wasn't like, you know, I did it for two weeks. I think I'm someone who, if I'm trying something, my idea of try is 100% all in, that's it. <laughs> so I also went down a bit of a rabbit hole a few years ago and decided to try uh, plant-based or veganism. And I, yeah, I excluded all, all animal products for two years. I did integrate um, some animal products back. And now yep. years later, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I think my diet probably looks very, very different today, but I did that for mm. two years. And I think it's interesting when you said that um, you felt more energy and, and the mental clarity part, I definitely felt as though I had, I think not necessarily more energy. I do have a lot of energy, but it was mm. more sustained energy. I think I yeah. had less of the ups and downs. But a question that came into my mind when you were talking about that was, you are a black man. You are mm -hmm. Ghanaian, you know, I yep. am a woman of color, I'm Jamaican heritage. And a lot of people in the black community would, and especially men, I think in the black community uh, that I knew in the fitness world as well, would kind of say to me, yes, these benefits sound great, but I am not giving up meat. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm not having a life where my evening meal does not have meat on my plate, you know, like yeah. where's my chicken, where's my steak. And I think in social settings, you know, going out, whether it's family events, whether it's restaurants, I found that so many people said to me, well, what do you eat? You know, and it was so interesting. I don't, I'm not just in the black community, but mm. I would be interested to hear your experience actually of that as a black man and, and, having this diet do you have those conversations still to be honest i mean when i when i meet people for the first time some of these things do come up they kind of ask me what i eat and you know i i i tend to i try not to make too much of a big deal of it, about it particularly when i go you know in social situations let's just say i'm at a restaurant and it's like a birthday or something i'll just you know go and speak to the chef on the side i won't make it a big deal oh i'm this and that because i don't think you know it's, it's not like my entire identity yeah. it's just the way that i eat it's not that big of a deal um, but I think, yeah, I mean, occasionally you have these conversations, you kind of explain to people as well, you know, I, and I, and I completely understand it because I remember actually this was, so I actually went fully plant-based in 2017. So it's been six years now, but I think around three years before that, someone who I'd known at the time was, I, believe, I can't remember where they were, but they, they told me, I think they were in a different country, but they told me that they'd started 
a plant-based diet or a vegan diet. And at the time I just couldn't get my head around it. I was like, nope, that's never something that I could do, impossible. And I genuinely thought that I would actually like waste away because obviously we're so conditioned to believe that we absolutely need meat. And of course meat can form a part, animal products can form a part of a healthy diet. That's absolutely clear. You know, I'm not someone who's anti-meat. I'd, I'd like to see people eating more plants and see what kind of ratio works for them. But yeah, I'd say a lot of the conversations probably happened a lot more when I first went plant-based because of course it's, you know, something that wasn't, uh, you know, very well understood at the time. I guess it's, it's a bit more so now. Um, and of course, I guess, you know, I understand as a black man, it's probably not something that you'd see very often. You know, people obviously want to eat a lot of meat and wanting to build muscle and things like that. You know, I've not had any problem building muscle using the likes of, you know, organic tofu and tempeh and beans and lentils and hemp seeds and oats and foods like that. So again, I, I, I think my MO is really just to show what's worked for me, what I see in the, in the science and what I read from the evidence and just communicate that in a way that people can align with. I actually did a really interesting poll on my Instagram the other day and I asked people whether they were fully plant-based or whether they weren't. And I think 75% of people said that they weren't plant-based. And I actually like that because I don't want to create an echo chamber where it's just people who are vegan and just want to hear, you know, vegan's the best diet. And I don't want to do that. I want to get the, the benefits of getting more plants onto your plate across to a really wide range of people. You know, the amount of people that tell me, you know, I'm someone who loves blueberries and it's always speaking about the cognitive benefits, antioxidant benefits. So many people now speak to me and send me messages saying, you've got me eating blueberries every day. And I love those types of messages. Yeah. You know, people are gonna do what's right for them, but I wanna just give them the tools to see how they can live a better life. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a really great point that you make. It doesn't have to be binary and it doesn't mean that if you follow some of your recipes or you try some of those recipes that you have to change your entire diet and exclude all animal products forever. I think actually the best, what, what worked well for me was after, I suppose, being plant-based for so long, it kind of encouraged me to you know, I had to shop in a different way. I had to cook in a different way. I feel like I was cooking so many different things, so many different, using different ingredients, different herbs, spices, vegetables, mm. all of that. And I found that when you, you, you can't be lazy basically in terms of your yeah. food choices, you have to be creative yeah. and, and you have to be a bit more Could thoughtful. Intentional. Yeah, a bit more thoughtful and intentional. And so I think that's something that if nothing else, even if, yeah, even if 70% of my diet was different, I think that 30% where you're adding in all these different things, all these different mm. colors, all these different, you know, I'll never probably ever go back ever to just having, for example, if I was making a bowl of porridge, it wouldn't just be oats and whatever milk. It would be mm. oats, then you might chuck in some seeds, you know, flaxseed, exactly. linseed, pumpkin seed, yeah. and suddenly it's there's eight different things in the bowl. So I think exactly. that's something that hopefully people, when they think about, when they learn more about how important it is for us to have diversity in our diet, I think yeah. it's much harder not harder but i think it's it's easier to be lazy basically if you yeah. just go for your you know your most obvious choices but we've exactly. mentioned we've mentioned the word focus a few times so mm. i want to kind of get into that because I did some work earlier this year with Google and was looking at health and well-being trends and health and well-being data via Google search. So essentially mm. what that means is what are people searching for on the internet in the health and well-being category? What are they typing in? What problems? What questions? And one of the search terms that had increased by over 300% in the last 12 months was how to focus. Now, initially, people might think, well, what does that have to do with health and wellness? Because focus, they might be thinking about productivity, uh, you know, how much can I get done? Typically, people go, oh, it's because we've got too many 
digital distractions. So, you know, how can I block out those things, turn off, you know, notifications or, or create an environment where you're limiting distraction, which of course is important. But the ability to focus and to concentrate and to problem solve and to have clarity in our cognitive function is hugely impacted by our diet, by our lifestyles, by sleep, by hydration and by all of those things. So if I was to ask you, Jeffrey, if I was to say, okay, looking at my diet, what are the things that I can do to help improve my focus and concentration? What, where would you start? Firstly, I would start with, as, as you just mentioned, I think ultra processed foods are really one of the things that we need to really limit. And when I say ultra processed foods, there, there's there's a lot of, com, you know, conversation online now you know for example tofu and soya milk could be classed as ultra processed but in the same way as like mars bars and you know all of the other we know which types of ultra processed foods we want to be limiting the ones which are nutrient poor you know added sugar fat salt oil etc i would say getting one of the things if i think back to when i went plant-based and i had that mental clarity and that focus almost it was almost because I wasn't really eating a diverse range of foods. I was getting such diversity. And obviously we're now seeing a lot more research and information about the link between our gut health and how it impacts our brain and getting more, you know, plant diversity will equal more diverse strains of bacteria. And we're seeing, so as I said, we're seeing so many you know, studies that we're, when we have that diversity, we then have, you know, more improved focus, more, you know, enhanced cognitive function. So I'd say that is something that's really important. So getting a variety of pre and probiotic foods in there. So lots of legumes, whole grains, you know, foods like asparagus, garlic, onion, all these different prebiotic foods. And then the probiotic foods, which are essentially live cultures. So the likes of sauerkraut, kimchi, miso, tempeh, kefir, yogurts, getting those foods into the diet will really help to impact our brain health. And one of the foods, as I just touched on it before, one of the foods that I've, you know, read countless studies on are berries. You know, berries are so potent for brain health. The anthocyanins in them, which is the potent polyphenol, is really important for enhanced cognitive function. So blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, goji berries, just get loads of them into your diet. And then we can look at foods like, you know, even lion's mane mushroom. There's been a number of research studies, well, a few research studies rather, should I say, that have explored its impact for enhancing cognitive function. So yeah, there's there's loads of companies out there that provide wild crafted powders that you can put into a tea or into hot water that you can get into your diet as well. Um, training is really important as well. You know, mm -hmm. I think training helps to improve, increase BDNF, which is brain derived neurotrophic factor, which essentially helps to strengthen the neurons in our brain. So we can actually build a stronger brain by doing strength training, by doing running, things like that. So. Those are just some examples of from a nutritional and lifestyle standpoint, how important it is to really dial these habits in to help improve our cognitive function, to help improve our focus. And ultimately, I'm sure people would want that to lead to better productivity as well going mm. forward. So we are reducing the ultra processed food. We're going to add yep. in the berries, the legumes, the nuts, the seeds. What about, so, oh, and also, of course, the exercise. So strength training, exercise movement. What about timing? So often when people talk about focus and concentration, they'll think typically about the morning. They might say, okay, I can yeah. focus in the morning. After lunch, maybe that's when they think, oh, energy dips. So in the morning, I personally feel like in the morning, I'm, I'm my most productive. That's when I can concentrate the, the most. And I also recently, not that recently, 
few months ago, I switched to savory breakfast. Now mm. I've had lots of conversations with people. Uh, some people were a little yeah, bit, ups- some people were a little bit upset about this, um, but <laughs> I was like, I switched to savory breakfast, and for me, it's been a game changer. Yeah. So with those things that you mentioned, if someone wants to focus and concentrate, and specifically they're thinking about their morning, mm. where do you come down on this? Where the savory breakfast, where they're having a breakfast that is, you know, you mentioned berries. If you had a breakfast that has fruits and it's got sweet mm. things in it, mm. what's your what's your ideas about that? I mean, I definitely feel like it's good to have. It's from I guess from a savory breakfast standpoint, I think you're probably thinking people probably be looking at getting more protein in in the morning, which could potentially help. I think I think there's there's obviously differences between people. I personally enjoy more having more of a sweet breakfast, but I also add like protein powder and make sure that I do make like get like at least forty or fifty grams of protein in the morning. But on the weekends, I might have like a you know organic scrambled tofu or something like that. So a savory breakfast in that regard, I think. I probably maybe stand a little bit on the fence on that one. I think, you know, I, I do think it's important to front load protein at the start of the day. Mm-hmm. But in terms of whether that comes from a sweet or savory option, I think that's probably going to be at the discretion of of the uh, of, of the individual. But I did actually see what you'd put out in terms of the savory breakfast. And as you said, people were getting a little bit upset about that. But that's the internet these days, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. But we, you know what, let's get into it. Because I think the thing about it is I don't really often post that much, to be honest, about mm. food. I mm. do post a lot mm. about movement and about motivation. But the reason I shared this was because it has had such a big impact for me. Yeah. And so as someone who I, I used to probably eat a lot more sugar than I do, mm. I used to joke, you know, my family, we'd all joke, oh, yeah, I've got a sweet tooth, you know, we like yeah, sugar. Yeah. And in recent years, in recent months, I've been really like focused on this. Um, I wore a continuous uh, glucose monitor glucose. on my arm for yeah. a while. Mm. and we can get into that but essentially i think the reason people were so upset with this breakfast wasn't because it was savory it was because apparently it wasn't a big enough breakfast and it didn't have Mm. carbs and Mm. and just for i suppose caveat i eat carbs i eat a lot of carbs how would i run (laughs) ultra you know how would i run endurance races if i didn't eat carbs so i eat carbs and of course one meal is only a snapshot of our lives it's not our whole diet but for reference for the listeners this breakfast that i was talking about i had half a plate of rocket i had half and i think i had three quarters of an avocado and i had some smoked salmon now that was the breakfast and it was very early and then later on i'm sure within a couple of hours i probably ate something with carbs but the reason i started as i said i was so passionate about you know say oh my gosh this is a bit of a game changer for me is because when i have a breakfast like that which is high protein high fat and doesn't have any sugar so therefore Mm. yeah no berries or whatever Mm. i feel less of the kind of I just feel like it regulates me in the morning so I can get yeah. on with whatever I'm doing. If I need to sit and focus on work, if I'm writing, yeah. for example, I can do it. And I don't, I just tend to get all the way through, look at the clock. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And I go and make some food as opposed yeah. to if I have a sweet breakfast for me after about yeah. 90 minutes, typically my mind is wandering. I'm thinking, oh, I'm a bit hungry. I might want to yeah. get a coffee. My energy just dips a little bit. Mm. So yeah, I think people were more upset about the lack of carbs than the, than the uh, savory option. But there was also a lot of people that said, oh my gosh, yes. If I have a savory breakfast every yeah. day, I feel a lot better as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, I think people often forget that, as you say, one meal is just a very small snapshot in time. It's not the entirety of your diet. And also people forget that the word breakfast is just break fast so even if you have something which is relatively low in calories for that one part of the day that's not the entire that's that's not reflective of your entire eating pattern across the day you're literally just breaking your fast so yeah i mean i can definitely see that and i think it's important to as you say people often get a bit 
upset when someone shows what's working for them. You're showing what's working for you and that's what matters. Mm. You know, I mean, it'd be interesting, you know, I, I might after this call, just maybe go and have a little bit of a look at the research and see, you know, where where the, you know, the reasons for that might be, but that's absolutely working for you. And I think that's mm. definitely something that you should continue without a doubt. Yeah I, yeah, I did some research as well. And I think one of the things it was talking about specifically for women was mm. hormone health and it was about yes, regulating yeah, hormone yeah. health. So, but to go back to that, cause I, you know, not to kind of stick too much on this point of, you know, the, in, the internet can sometimes, let's be honest, mm. the algorithm loves uh, conflict and that's yes, often, does, you know, yeah. it's not a good thing. But yeah. I think it's interesting in general, actually, that people would comment on something like that because when I post things like, I'm having a pizza in Italy or I'm having a glass mm. of wine or nobody comments on that at all. Nobody says to me, <laughs> no, no one says to me, oh my gosh, you're drinking wine and you're eating pizza. Nobody does that. So why yeah. is it, do you think that, you know, in general, I think, and I heard you say actually online on, on social media, you said society doesn't champion health. It, yeah. it is people suddenly feel like, yeah, this word extreme. If you decide to eat healthily, eat well, then you're on a strict diet. Why do you think that we kind of, I don't know, we're so outraged by the idea of eating well, yet it's totally celebrated, if anything, to eat ultra processed foods, to drink alcohol. People applaud you for that. You know, it's like, oh, good for you. Enjoy when you're yeah. eating those things. It's really bizarre. Honestly, I think one of the reasons, there's a few There's a few reasons here that we can touch on. I think one of the reasons is that people often confuse what's common. Uh, sorry, they confuse common with normal. So it's common for a lot of people to consume a lot of alcohol, to consume a lot of processed foods, to, you know, if we look at the skyrocketing rates of, you know, chronic disease, obesity, type two diabetes, these, this is very common, but it's not normal. Like normal is mm. our bodies being in a state of homeostasis, not, it's, it's basically, you know, being able to wake up with vitality, with energy, with actually eating the foods that our body wants for it to run optimally. That's normal. It's not nothing related to a diet. And I think of course, you know, weight loss culture and diet culture has maybe had a, a negative impact on that, but just eating nutrient dense whole foods, that's just the normal way that we should all be eating. And that's not to say that you can't, you know, consume, a, you know, maybe whether it's a glass of red wine at dinner or a pizza every now and again, that's absolutely okay. We are human. We have, you know, the, the, the desires that we want to just eat something nice, but it's, it's really strange. And I think what, what it comes down to ultimately is that when people see these things, and it's, it's often from people who aren't engaging in habits that are going to, you know, prolong their lifespan or health span, rather, essentially, you know, their, their years in good health, they'll often say, oh, you know, what are you doing? Are you, you know, you're doing your gym thing again, or are you, are you eating healthily, or they may try and mock you, but really it's just a, it's almost a, like a reflection of their own kind of stagnation, and they feel maybe a bit challenged by that. Mm. So, because as you say, it's really, it's very strange for someone to comment on, a breakfast that's ultimately very healthy and again a snapshot of your day but not say anything about consuming alcohol when we have countless you know papers and so much data on the the negative impacts of alcohol so yeah it's, it's a really strange one but it it often comes from people who maybe would like to engage in certain habits but maybe don't have the discipline or the willpower or things like that to you know be able to do that going forward so yeah it's always a strange one for me yeah, I agree. But so let's move on to something, I guess, a bit more practical, a bit more tangible. So if someone's listening to this and thinking, you know what, I know a little bit about, you know, the benefits of plant-based eating. I know that I should be getting more diverse uh, meals on my plate and, you know, improving my gut health, et cetera, et cetera. 
where are some places that they could start with some, I suppose, easy wins? Because as well, let's be honest, lifestyles can be very busy, challenging. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, people got kids, we might be cooking for more than one person. We might be traveling and eating in hotels and eating in restaurants. So it's not always this perfect, I'm in my kitchen, I've got all the ingredients that I want. So yeah, what's your, I suppose, can you give us three, three pieces of advice? One might be for when we are at home. Two might be when we're cooking for more people than just ourselves. So for example, our whole family. And three is for when we are traveling and out of our normal uh, food environment. Yeah, so I'd say the first thing is to focus on like simple recipes. So things like, uh, again, I for people who do eat oatmeal in the mornings, oatmeal is a really easy one. And again, to, you, know, you can really add some diversity in there. I personally always go with some berries, so blueberries and raspberries get some hemp seeds on there, pumpkin seeds. I'll put like an unflavored or vanilla protein powder in there and mix that through too. Maybe some almond butter, or I'll have those same ingredients in a smoothie, or again, do like a organic tofu scramble or something like that. So these are really simple options that you can always have. And I always rotate them. And I, I kind of always know what I'm gonna have for breakfast because I have very few options, but I make sure that I, that I have them there. So get those simple recipes. And even things like a lentil bolognese is one of the most simple recipes that I've I still use to this day so you know the way that someone would make a beef bolognese just you know make the bolognese stew and just cook lentils on the side and add that in and lentils are really good you know they've got good source a good source of protein fiber they're mineral rich as well and really you know well digested so yeah I'd say get those easy recipes in so that could be some for the, the first thing yeah the second thing if you're cooking for a, a large group of people again we could even go back to things like the lentil bolognese or the chickpea curry or foods like that, which are really easy to just cook in bulk. Mm. You know, very, very straightforward, very simple. You can add some like, whether it's brown rice or wild rice or something like that. Um, plant protein sources like organic tofu and tempeh, which are now widely available in numerous different stores. You can add those in and, you know, put them in stews and things like that. So that could be really simple. And then the and third one, I think, sorry to jump in. Those are quite cost-effective as well, aren't they? Because I think, yeah. you know, the, given the fact that the last year or two, I suppose, we've had, you know, inflation. There's economic challenges, and people constantly talk, don't they, about the cost of food, the cost of shopping. Mm. You know, I've heard so many people say, "Gosh, I go to the supermarket now, and I can spend over a hundred pounds really, really easily." And you know, if you're feeding a lot of people especially kids and anyone who's got teenagers feel mm. like they never stop eating you know my son's actually <laughs> 12 yeah. not a teenager yet but constantly 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 eating so i think those things that you mentioned being able to cook things that you can make loads of you can have mm. seconds you can have leftovers in the fridge i think cost effectiveness is really important for most people at the moment absolutely and i think even if we talk about a lot of people say that you know going plant-based is expensive and you know i'm sure we're going to touch on a lot of the ultra processed plant-based foods so like the beyond meat burgers those are the foods that are expensive but if you think about lentils beans chickpeas you know tofu to a degree is relatively cost effective but definitely the legumes they're really cheap really cost effective you can buy the organic canned ones and just make sure that you rinse them before you before you put them into your recipes so yeah they're really cost effective and you can just throw them into loads of different recipes you know mung, i made a mung bean stew the other day super cost effective or you can even buy these foods in bulk i often get a lot of my legumes in bulk as well so mm. from like whole food stockists like there's one called forest whole foods i use quite often so i get a lot of my legumes also get a lot of my nuts and seeds from there as well because they're more expensive in the supermarket so there are ways around it to make it more cost effective but also to have you know that nutrient density that you want yeah okay and then i think yeah adding one more thing to that because i like you you know it's i noticed the difference and i was 
think the whole you know buying things in bulk you know you mentioned then going to that one place i at home have got quite a lot of you know big containers so i'll have like yes. huge containers full of nuts and all these things and i and i love nuts i eat so many nuts but then we were just traveling back from greece this weekend i was in the airport and i wanted to buy something and i wanted something savory I was looking around and essentially the cost point, like there were so many options available for maybe like two euros, huge bags of, you know, sweet things, chocolate, sweets, crisps, puffs, all these things, but it was just super ultra processed food, two pounds. And there was a small selection of nuts. There was a tiny bag of almonds, not salted, not, you know, covered in caramelized anything. And it was, I think it was six euros. (laughs) So, you know, traveling by yourself. Okay, cool. Maybe I'm just going to get those nuts. I'm not really going to break a sweat. But if you, again, going back to some, for some people, it'd be a real challenge. You can see Mm. why they're going to say, well, I can get this huge bag of a snack for two euros, share that. um, And this tiny little bag of nuts is six euros. So, you know, it really is uh, a challenge. But I think having those things at home, if you, you know, maybe not coming back from another country, but at least when you're traveling, you can go Mm. out, you can take them with you. Uh, But that was my third one. Yes. So if people are traveling a lot, if they work and commute and all these kind of things, how, what advice would you give to them? I'll say the commuting one, definitely focusing on meal prep and preparing because when, when you want to get a healthy, healthy plant-based meal, you're going to probably, if you, if you get one that's pre-made when you're outside, you're probably, you're also, you're paying for the health element, but you're also paying for the convenience too. So it's going to be more expensive. Mm. So batch cooking, what, what I like to do is batch cook on a Sunday. If I know I've got a busy week and I'm maybe going to be out of the house, batch cook. So I can just basically take something with me. So like overnight oats is a really easy one that I can just maybe make two or three of, just leave them in the fridge in like a container or a kilner jar or something like that. Pull that out of the fridge and I can just take it with me. Lunch, again, a really simple one is like a, I could make like a tempeh curry or a tempeh stew or something like that. Take that with me, have some like quinoa with it or some broccoli that I've made the night before. So I think preparing is really important. As you said at the start of the episode, I think it's not a lifestyle that really lends well to laziness. You've got to be really proactive and intentional with the food that you're making and building that connection with different recipes so that you can be prepared and you can be ready because when you go out there, you may not be able to get the most healthiest options that you'd want to get. So I think preparing is key. And I think traveling for me is an interesting one because I, when, whenever I travel, my expectations always come down in comparison to what I'm going to have at home. Of course, I'm not in my kitchen. I've not got all my ingredients that I want. So I would essentially just take what I can get and try and if I can make it as high protein as possible, you know, if, I, if tofu is probably the most common one that will be, you know, around if I'm in a different country traveling, try and get as many beans as I can. Sometimes I might even take some things with me. Like when I went to Ghana early this year, I actually took some tofu with me and was just like cooking it when I was there. So sometimes you have to get a bit more creative yeah. to, to kind of basically get the, you know, eat the way that you want. Um, but preparation is always key. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I think also when people say, oh yeah, I'm busy and this and that, exactly Mm. what you just said, the lifestyle element of saying, I'm going to do this and just accepting that, okay, it's going to take a little bit more of my time, effort and energy than my previous lifestyle did, but it's Mm. going to be worth it. You know, I think what's the, what's the cost of the effort and the energy and is it important? If something is important, we prioritize it. We make time, you know, we'll go, oh, I've got 30 minutes to do that because it's important. So I think if we flip it around and think, okay, well, my health, my well-being, 
being able to focus, being able to concentrate, having the energy, you know, my body feeling well, not feeling bloated, not having pain, not having skin breakouts, all of these things. Ultimately, we know how good it feels to feel good. And I think that's always the thing in the back of my mind. If I think, right, I've got to, you know, I've got to rinse this stuff. I've got to cook this. It's Sunday. I'm going to do it all now ahead of the week. We know how good it feels to feel good. So I think really taking that and going, actually, yeah, this is going to take a bit of effort. It's not just going to be the easy option, but that's okay. You know, sometimes the easy option isn't the best option. Okay. Oh gosh, you've got got me into it now. Um, (laughs) So let's talk about, we've both mentioned this words, ultra processed foods. And I think the plant-based meat options is something that I wanted to get into because everyone now from, you know, you can go into, I think any train station, any high street, and you can find an alternative. So even McDonald's, I think they have like a, what's it called? Like a muck Muck plant, muck plant. I've never yeah. had it, and I've, I've never, never had will it. have it. <laughs> I've never had it. I've had mock chicken before in places yeah. like Mildred's, or I think Leon. I think they did a, a maybe a mock chicken thing, um, yeah. and I've definitely had their like meat burger, meat burgers, bean burgers, etc. Mm. Now the challenge that I hear is that often people will say, "Well, ultra processed food is something we want to avoid." So if I've got a beef burger that says it's 100% beef, that's what I'm eating. Whereas this plant-based burger says it's got X, Y, and Z, and all these ingredients. Therefore, it's ultra processed. So when it comes to a health perspective, we're not talking about necessarily the health of the planet or, or those or the impact on, on animals. We're talking about from a physical uh, human health perspective, what are the things we should be considering there um, when it comes to the plant meat alternatives? I personally think that these these should be limited within a diet. If, you, if you're moving towards a plant-based diet and you want to do it from a healthy standpoint, I think you should limit these foods. I think for for a lot of people, they can serve as almost a bridge if they're trying to kind of move towards a a plant-based diet. They can serve as a useful bridge to kind of get you to that point. And I get that. And I think, again, from from a purely health standpoint, if, you know, the the kind of environmental and planetary health and animal welfare discussion is, you know, it's a separate discussion off the table. But I think from a health standpoint, if we're removing animal protein, whether it's, uh, a beef burger or chicken and we're replacing it with the mock meats i think we're leaving a lot off the table from a nutritional standpoint which is why for me it's important to move more towards the legume food group where you're getting good quality plant protein but you're also getting fiber you're also getting minerals you're also getting b vitamins as well as you would you know obviously in varying proportions com- in comparison to meat so i just think the ultra processed thing with the with the plant-based meats i i, I think it's it's really you know, it's still an ultra processed food. It's, mm. it's not, you, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like making a decision as to whether you want to be, you know, punched or kicked. Do you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's still an ultra processed food at the end of the day. They're still high in sodium. They're still, you know, they have added oils and a lot of these, if, if these are foods that you're going to be eating every single day, then I don't see how that's going to lend well to, you know, positive health outcomes in the long run. If it's something that you want to have at a social event, you know, there's there's been times where, you know, there's been a social event and I might have had like, I don't know, some mock chicken or whatever it may be. Again, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it. I'll just have it because I know I'm not in my environment where I can control my food choices. I'm not going to go crazy about it. I'll have it. We move on. You know, it's, sometimes it's better actually into, you know, just to have that in a social event and just be a part of things and, you know, and keep things going that way. But I think if you're really trying to move towards a plant-based diet, that's going to be health promoting one that's Mm -hmm. prioritizing the six main groups, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains, legumes. You want to really minimize the ultra processed foods. And those include these very, very popular, 
you know, plant-based meat replacements. And I think the difficulty is, is that for the layperson, because these foods are becoming so, you know, popular now, the, the advertising is out of control that you can find them in any supermarket. And they're often touted as like a quote unquote healthier option. You know, people are often automatically just going to think that, oh, if I eat these, I'm going to be healthy now. But that's mm. not really the case. To, you know, to be really be healthy on a plant-based diet, you've got to be more diligent. You've got to think about the types of foods that you're eating, focusing on the whole foods, and you're going to get the most out of that. Yeah, and it's and we see that exact same thing in the sweet category, don't we? So, for example, like the the vegan brownie or the vegan ice cream or the vegan yes. doesn't mean you know it's like oh this is a healthy brownie, this is healthy ice cream. It's like it's still it's still a bowl of sugar or it's still a bowl of ultra processed whatever. Just because it doesn't have the dairy element doesn't make it healthy and i do i don't know i think sometimes yeah people even i suppose will say oh i want to get healthy i'm gonna go vegan or i'm gonna go plant-based and it's, it's yeah i think it's a, that's not a necessarily fine... gonna make you healthy you know yeah. you can do a vegan diet really badly you can mm. be eating the ultra processed mock meats you can be eating the cookies the oreos the crisps and you can call that a vegan diet but you know you and i both know that very soon you're going to be struggling you're going to be tired you're going to have low energy you're not going to have any kind of vitality so it's really important that you move towards these whole foods and look in, in many ways i have to applaud these you know these organizations and these conglomerates who are bringing out these quote-unquote healthier cookies healthier this healthier that because they're just widening their their customer base because mm. people are going to think that oh this is great let's widen it out to the the vegan population and just remove one single ingredient you remove dairy and then you maybe add coconut cream that doesn't automatically make it a healthier option because all of the other ingredients are the same. So yeah, it's something that people just really need to be mindful of because ultimately if something's packaged with a ton of ingredients and is ultra processed, it's really, you can't really call it healthy. It's, it's really greenwashing from these companies, let's be honest. Yeah, and you know, and we know the main profit and, then, and we know the main motivation for it is of course profit. 100%. You know? Yeah. So what about, okay, someone's listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, I definitely need to be a bit more intentional about the foods that I'm eating. Life's been busy recently. I have little, you know, life happens, but I want to be, yeah, more, more conscious of the foods that I'm going to eat and I'm going to start to add some more plants in, et cetera, et cetera. We know, we all know that when people try and make change, often it's like everything has to change. You know, that you know, we all yeah. have those. I'm sometimes that person too, I'll be honest, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, it's a new leaf, it's a new page, it's a new, you know, January, everybody does it. They say, right, this is it. And everything has to change. What would be, I guess, a better way in terms of thinking about, um, yeah, making some changes that we're gonna be able to, people can sustain, they can stick to, but still have that same, I suppose, impact because we know one meal isn't gonna make a difference. So if you just have, yeah, one lentil bolognese, probably not gonna move the dial very much. So I guess, how do we navigate the, the journey of change without suddenly having to go to the fridge and throw everything out? Well, I think actually, of course, you know, in the in the long term, one lentil bolognese isn't gonna change anything, but what it can, it may, it may not change the health outcomes. What it might change is it might start to change your mentality and your behavior and your habits. And you've thought, okay, I've made a healthier meal today. Let me maybe now see if I can explore maybe making one every single day or seeing if I can do like three days in the week really healthy and then four days still kind of work towards things. So really I think these small changes are about shifting the momentum in the mind. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was having a chat with someone yesterday about, I was doing a podcast with him and he was talking about, you know, what are the things that people could, 
you know, when we're thinking about like training and, and habits like that, if, if you're starting from scratch, again, it's about the mentality. So if someone decides, let's say someone lives on the second floor in an apartment and they usually get the lift every time, if they decide to take the stairs every time they do it, that will start to change something in their mind. That will start to make them think, you know what? I can, I can get there now. I'm making, I'm, I'm consciously making a change, which is going to be the healthier option. It may not be huge in the grand scheme of things because we know that there's so much further that you can go, but it's that starting point to get things moving for people. So I always say whether it's one meal a day or one meal a week is the starting point. And then of course you want to move forward from there because obviously keeping it at one meal a week isn't going to move the needle hugely, but the starter can be really big for changing the mentality and the behavior and the habits that are ultimately going to push you in the right direction. Oh, yes, I love it. I completely agree. Exactly that point. And I think we all, you know, we've, we talk about habits, we talk about, you know, the small things and the compounding of that, but it's so true. And it's evident in every area of our life, isn't it? From movement, sleep habits, finance, money, all of these things, we know that yeah. the small things matter. The small things yeah. really do matter. And I think yeah. you're completely right in saying also you're giving yourself, I suppose, the small win and the proof that says, hey, mm -hmm. I did this once, maybe I can do it again. Maybe I really liked it. Maybe I really enjoyed it. Maybe I can do it again. And that repetition piece, I often talk about a deliberate practice and repetition. And, and the repetition piece is of course, doing things again and again and again, but I think people miss out the part which is deliberate practice. And the difference mm. between deliberate practice and practice is I guess, example that sticks out in my mind right now is uh, my son has recently started going to tennis lessons. Oh, so nice. tennis practice, <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. I'm, I'm also starting to have lessons myself as well, which is I'm Good. really excited about. I played for the first time this summer with my husband and he was like, I'd never played tennis before. And so he said, right, let's do lessons. So we're all doing yeah. it. Everyone in the family's got their new rackets Amazing. and it's, it's cool. <laughs> I love but that. The, but the thing I think about with this deliberate practice part is that practice is when I say to Jude, okay, it's five o'clock, go and get your trainers, get your racket, we've got to walk to the courts, it's your lesson. That's mm. practice deliberate practice and i haven't seen this from him yet will be the day when he goes to get the racket and says to me hey i'm going outside to practice i'm going yeah. oh i'm going to walk over to the court and hit the ball myself for half an hour that's deliberate practice and that's mm. his choice and it's an intention that has to come from him and yeah. as a parent you kind of waiting for that uh, yeah. but i think we can all do that ourselves there are things that we might do and repeat because it's just become a habit or it's become you know part of our daily life that we have to do but i think if we could look at even just a few of our habits and say, where's the deliberate practice? I think this kind of conversation about, okay, I've got to go and buy those different ingredients today. Okay, mm. actually I've got to sit and find that recipe or I've saved that recipe on Instagram when I was scrolling through, but I've never actually yeah. made it. So yeah. this weekend, the deliberate practice is to say, find one of Jeffrey's recipes, get those ingredients and then block out half an hour to go, I'm gonna make this for the first time. And I think the deliberate practice part, we talk, I hear so many people talk about habits and the habits of course are incredibly important to our lifestyle. But I think before the habit comes a decision yeah. and then it can be a habit that can, big or small, can dip further down the line really impact your life. Absolutely. And what that, what that does is it will build confidence. It builds that self-confidence in knowing that, right, I've just made a, a healthy recipe. It tasted great. I felt really good after. And you start to build all these connections with how the food made you feel and how you felt about, as you say, making that deliberate choice to go and get those ingredients and not be prompted by something else, whether it was an Instagram post or something like that. You decided, right, I'm going to do that. Builds confidence. And then you almost want to keep doing it after. Mm -hmm. So yeah, super important.
Mm, I'm excited to think about what I'm gonna make for dinner this evening because <laughs> yeah. we we also have a blended family now, so two nice. families have come together to to oh, make amazing. one, and so we have obviously times when all the children are here, and then we have times mm. when none of the children are here. Yeah. So last night was the first night that everyone came back, and so mm. on a Friday night, I always I love sitting down. We always go on a Friday, we're back, we're back, and everyone you know, the kids always joke it's Adrian's kitchen. Um, so <laughs> I really enjoy it. I think it's become a part of I'm someone I've always enjoyed cooking and sharing meals. Yeah. Yeah. people and feeding people uh but our friday night you know our kind of meal back all together is a real moment for the whole family to connect mm. and i'm not gonna lie and say that everybody eats everything because they don't and mm. so i'm obviously you know trying to encourage sometimes there'll be things in the middle of the table i'm saying i'll oh, try this try that and i'm yeah. you know encourage them to add different things to their plates because otherwise i'm constantly going okay this person doesn't like tomatoes this person wants coriander this person doesn't want sweet corn and you know that's that's a yeah no one's got time for that but uh, yeah. i enjoy bringing everyone everyone back together for their yeah. friday night dinner ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So let's talk about the power hour. So. Power hour concept, I suppose, in its simplest form, the first hour of your day, what we choose to do with that is incredibly important. How we spend that time, what we choose not to do in that time is very important as well. So Jeffrey, I'm really keen to hear from you. What do you do with the first hour of your day typically? First hour of my day. So typically wake up around 6.45 every morning. Then I'll get in a cold shower. So I like All to right. eat the frog eat the frog as they say do one yeah. of the hardest tasks at the start of the day because i think what that gives me is it gives me that confidence that the rest of the day is going to be doable you know even if there are some hard tasks further down the line i've done something difficult and it helps to really prime my mind and steal my kind of mental framework for the day so then i'll do that then i might have something really like because i always train first thing in the morning so i'll have something really light to eat i'll maybe have a bagel with some almond butter and hemp seeds and a black coffee you know, read a bit of my Bible, just kind of get grounded and really spend some quiet time with God as well. And then, yeah, that's really my morning. And then I'll hit the gym around 7.45, get a good session in. And then I just feel ready to ready to go, uh, you know, for the rest of the day. So I think oh, the cold shower one's really important for me. I, I started, I mean, I was, I was always quite intermittent with the cold therapy over the years. But last year I, I did something with my Instagram community where I was like, you know, let's do cold shower December, who's in? And obviously cold showers in December seemed like the worst idea in the world. But actually I had so many people messaging me saying that, you know, that it helped with their energy, it helped with their mood and, you know, their mental kind of fortitude at the start of the day. I was in Westfield and a guy came up to me and was like, oh, you're Jeffrey, right? And I was just like, yeah. And then he was like, I wanted to just say, you know, I did the cold showers for three weeks and I felt really good. It's just stuff like that. It's just kind of really interesting. So yeah, I, I've, it's definitely had an impact on my day in that in that first hour of my day and, and hopefully for other people as well but but yeah that's mm -hmm. that's really the first hour of my day you know doing something difficult you know getting grounded and spending time with god and being you know getting that stillness in and then getting in the gym 
Sounds good. I mean, I say it sounds good. I am not a huge fan of any kind of cold water. I've done <laughs> cold showers before. I've done some early morning cold swims in the ocean, which mm. I'm not going to lie and say that I loved it. But we know there's a lot of science and evidence to support the the post cold, the dopamine release in the yes. brain. And the yeah. fact that if we're dopamine, you know, some people are more sensitive to dopamine than others. Some people, if as we know, if our, if our dopamine receptors, our dopamine levels are low, then that can lead to low mood, depression, mm. these kind of things. And yep. so again, often we look at, okay, what can I do to to feel good? And it's not always the thing that feels good that's going to make us feel good. And I think, mm. I think exactly, cold, yeah, I think cold it's water. A bit of a pa- it's a strange paradox because often we think we go towards, you know, whether it's unhealthy foods for that really quick dopamine release, but then we'll crash again, or whether it's uh, scrolling on social media for that instant hit of post after post after post, but then that comes down again. But it's so interesting how something that in that moment that feels so hard to do, like a cold shower in the middle of winter would make you feel incredible for hours after. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you're giving me a little bit of food for thought, a bit of inspiration, whether I'll uh, do that again. I don't think I've ever done it for four weeks. I typically would do it in a way where I think I'd cheat a little bit because I do a workout Mm. first. So at least my body's temperature's hot and I'm welcoming that that cold. But I think this time of the year, as we're sadly moving out of the summer and going into the, the colder, darker mornings, personally, I think for me, it's more important than ever to really be conscious about my morning routine. Mm, I think in the summer, in the summer I find it, I'm sure many of us do, I find it easy, you know, Mm. blinds are open, the sun's coming in and that's it, we go, we move. But I think as it gets darker and colder, the comfort, as we just described, the comfort of the duvet, mm. the comfort of the warmth, it's it's difficult. And even our even our mindset, our energy levels, you know, mentioning then low mood, a mm. lot of people will suffer with low mood as we go into yeah, yeah. winter. You know, yeah. it's, it's a real challenge. So maybe that cold, challenging, difficult, short shower, how long is your shower? So I tend to do two minutes. So I yeah. mean, actually at the start, so I, I, I would start doing it at the end of a warm shower because going right in cold in December just seemed a bit sadistic. <laughs> I mean, I do that now. I still, I still, you know, have been doing it pretty much every day since. But, you know, it's just a little blast, whether it's 15, 30 seconds at the end of your warm shower can invigorate you. But then also I think, you know, that's just one extreme. I think, as you as you mentioned, when we get into the winter, it's it's really important, actually, as you as you just said, that it's so that we become really intentional with our health habits. Because, as you say, you know, when you think about low mood and seasonal affective disorder, you know, a lot of these things are related to obviously the environment. You know, it's, it's dark at three thirty. It's still dark when we wake up. You know, there's not much light, and obviously, we know how important light is for you know regulating circadian rhythm and mood and overall well being and things like that. So it's really important to really dial in these habits of, you know, get, going for the runs, going, you know, doing your training, making sure you're dialed in with your healthy eating, making sure you're going to see your family and friends and staying, you know, tight in a, in a tight knit community if you've got one, because we have to go out there and try and offset, you know, what is inevitably going to be a, a relatively difficult period for a lot of people. So, yeah, I think that intentionality around the winter months around health practices is key. Yeah, yeah, big one for me is steps. Um, yeah. Again, I'm quite a data person and I saw mm. this data last year. It was quite shocking. It said that in the 
I think it's the first three months of the year, so it'd be January, February, March, typically mm-hmm. is people's lowest step count and it can be as reduced by as much as 70%. Wow. So if your average step count was, let's say you were aiming for 10,000 a day, mm-hmm. you might only be getting 3,000 steps a day in January. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think the real intentional conscious choice that I make as it gets darker and colder is walking. I yeah. love walking. I put headphones on, I put a scarf on, I put on 10 jackets if I need to, yeah. you know, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't like yeah. the cold, but I will make sure, you know, if you have to wear a watch even if you don't have a, a watch most phones now also have they a have step, step track, track counter yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah so you yeah. can do it so that's the one i'll be i'll be trying to keep the steps up definitely it's so important and then just as you mentioned there ten thousand steps is probably that's like the higher end for a lot of people i'd imagine that a lot of people within society aren't even reaching that so imagine if they're maybe doing two to three thousand and then that comes down by 70 percent that's yeah. basically almost sedentary you know yeah. what i mean so Exactly. Yeah, I think walking is just so, so important. I'm, I'm going to be doing a lot more walks around uh, around where I am as well. So, so yeah, Great. definitely with you on that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time today. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And as I said, I feel, I feel re-inspired actually to kind of, I think we all get into habits and sometimes I, go, I buy the same things, I cook the same things because those are the things that I like to cook. But I'm going to, yeah, find a new recipe this weekend and cook something new. Sounds good. And I appreciate you having me on. It's been a, been a good conversation. Hopefully we'll give some people some food for thought in terms of, you know, how to really, you know, prioritize their health essentially, because this is what it's all about. You know, I think whilst I, yes, I'm a very big advocate for the plant-based lifestyle. I think I just want people to become more conscious of what they're doing and deliberate habits when it comes to their health, because you're only going to reap the benefits further down the line, particularly when you're, you know, you hit your later years, 60, 70, you want to really reap the benefits of the habits that we've kind of, you know, garnered when we're in our 30s and 40s. So yeah, I want to just keep being keep being a voice for that and keep giving value to people to continue pushing towards that. Great. Thank you, Jeffrey. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and for listening each week. As always, I'll be back next week with another episode and I will add Jeffrey's Instagram handle into the show notes so you can dive in and save and create some of his wonderful recipes. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 